device lifted above your head, somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Going to be in the book of Genesis chapter number 11. I'm starting at verses number one, and I am going to stay in the same vein that uh, my lovely daughter began to minister. Can we bless the Lord for Minister Aisha MacArthur? Can we bless the Lord? Uh, just a phenomenal word on last Sunday. Amen. Bless my soul. Uh, so I'm going to stay in that same vein. Book of Genesis chapter number 11, verses number one. The Bible declares, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. God help. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves. Somebody shout ourselves. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heavens, to the heavens, so that we may Make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. This is good. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing, everybody shout nothing, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, I want to thank you for this opportunity. God, anoint me now. Let your hand rest upon me, not for me, God, not for my purposes, not for my glory, but God, I want to make sure that the people leave here edified, encouraged, strengthened, God, with a plan freer, a little bit lighter, God, than when they first came in here. And only you can do that. So I give you full control, and it is in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I dive into what it is that God has placed in my spirit, I want to highlight two um, cultural extremes that I've been studying in school um, known as collectivism and individualism. Um, in an individualistic society, which the United States is primarily an individualistic society, um, it's described as a social pattern that consists of loosely linked individuals who view themselves as independent of collectives. Um, in this social norm, the goals of the individual are prioritized over the needs of the desire and desires of the group, including the family religion um, or religious order or government. In essence, it, it's about my advancement. It's about what I can get out of the situation. Therefore, the primary motivation of the individual is the personal goals and achievement. I want to juxtapose this idea of an individualistic society with a collectivistic society. These individuals see themselves as parts of one collective, such as a family, tribe, or nation. The primary motivation with collectivism is the norms and duties imposed by the group. Collectivism values social ties and interdependence above independence, putting the needs and desires of the family above that of the individual. 
Therefore, collectivism at its best is demonstrated when individuals are willing, watch this, to prioritize the goals of the group above their own personal goals. Now, here's the challenge as I was studying this out in one of my classes. Um, once again, in the United States, we're primarily an individualistic society where we highlight the rights of the individual as opposed to the group. Here's the problem as a Western Christian. I read a book that's written in a cultural norm of collectivism where they value the group above the individual with the mindset and background of an individualistic society. Let me say it plainly. I read a book warning group blessings with the individual mindset. I want the value of us coming together, but I really don't want to fool with y'all. So I'm going to connect as long as I can to get what I want to get out of it. But at the end of the day, once I've satisfied my needs, forget all y'all. And sadly, that's how we kind of approach the book. And it's, it's, I can see it in just kind of innocent statements that, that we say from time to time. And I'm going to highlight, and I've heard this in the house, um, statements like, uh, if, if I was the only person in the whole world, Jesus still would have died for me. And, and that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's good. And I'm not contradicting that. But the reality is, he ain't died just for you. For God so loved everybody. So when it comes to what God wants to do, the primary reason that you are important is because you are part of the group. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> Y'all looked at me like, what? <laughs> you know who I is? <laughs> the only reason you are important is because you're a part of the group. The only reason my hand is important is because it's a part of the body. Isolated by itself, it is irrelevant and cannot function on its own. Being a part of the body gives it meaning. So again, as we are birthing this individual mentality, this individual society, we got to learn as we read the scripture, it's really not about me. It really is about us. Can somebody say amen to that? So I look at certain scriptures that speak to this collectivistic mentality. Um, Genesis 11.4, uh, which I have taught out of or taught from many times and looking at it from the proper cultural context, I'm actually getting new revelation out of it because nothing is wrong with what they're doing within the cultural context, because this is what we do. We, we stick together. Look, look at Genesis 11 and 4. The scripture declares, come let us build ourselves a city. In essence, I'm not just building my house. I'm not just building something for me. It, somebody shout, it's for all of us. This is their mindset. Come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heaven so that we make Make a name for ourselves. Now, I've normally paused in the past right there, and I wrongly just highlighted a prideful spirit. But that's not pride at all, because it's not about the individual. It's about all of us together. Why, why do you want us to make a name for ourselves? Here's the reason why. Otherwise, we'll be scattered. Let's call ourselves something together. My God, today. So it's not just Greg. Watch this. It's McGee's. 
Do you understand? It's not just member. It's Empowerment Ministries Christian Center. So let's make, make a name for ourselves. Here, here's the issue that God had. I don't mind y'all coming together, but if you're coming together and I'm not in the midst of you all coming together or I'm not for you coming together, you're wasting your time. So God doesn't have a problem with them coming together, but God's idea, watch this, he made a command and he told them to scatter, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. In essence, they have this collectivistic uh, 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 mentality, which is good, but God says that Shinar is not big enough for all of y'all. I need y'all to spread out. But in their own disobedience, they said, no, we want to stay together because this is what we know. So I want to read a couple of scriptures that kind of speak to the collectivistic mindset. This is good. Matthew 18, 19. Yeah. Jesus says, again, truly I tell you that if two, everybody shout two. Watch this. Not you by yourself. Can you pray by yourself? Sure. And you should pray by yourself. But there's something powerful happens when you join together with somebody else. If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am I with them. Psalms 133 and 1, one of my favorite scriptures. The Bible declares, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Watch this, verse number 3, this is powerful. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that de descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, even life forevermore. Acts 2 and 1, the Bible declares, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So when I'm reading these scriptures, looking at it from the cultural context once again, it, it kind of doesn't make sense that he would repeat gathering when they already know the value of coming together. In Genesis, the scripture declares that nothing that they put that, that they imagine would, would, would be hindered with them coming together. So these people already know that. So why, why is he writing scriptures like this, that, that they were all in one accord and one place? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said, y'all understand the value of coming together, but you hadn't re really seen the power of coming together until you come together for my purposes. So you may be progressive and productive if you work together, but watch this. If you do it in my name, if you do it for my sake, I'm going to, uh, uh, Psalms 133 says, for where, uh, the, where the dew is upon the mountain, he says, I will command the blessing because the brothers are coming together. In the book of Acts chapter number two, they were all in one place on one accord, not for their own purposes, but for the purposes of God. And God sends a spiritual refreshing because they're doing it for his sake and for his name. Can somebody say amen to that? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we got to come together. Mm. <laughs> we got to come together. We, we got to. In your household, you got to come together. Hmm. On your job, you got to come together. In this church, we gotta, we gotta come together. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm meditating on this because that's some things that God is just kind of slow cooking in my soul um, as a ministry, and not just as a ministry, but also as a family. Things that I, I see my family doing, and um, 
I realized the value of us actually working together, working, working together. I was out of town last week, and I told uh, one of my kids to, um, my, my automatic pump is not working. So I told one of my kids in the morning, uh, flip the pump on at night, turn it off, because the pool has to run 12 hours, and then turn it off. I don't have to work, run all day, just 12 hours. And I come home, and the pump hadn't been turned on or off, period. I don't even want to get in the pool. It ain't green yet, but another five days. Just another, just another five days. It'll have a little tint to it. And, and I'm sitting there just while I'm meditating on this particular message, and I'm thinking to myself, how much more could just my house do if, like, if everybody in the house really, really worked together? If everybody actually did their part? I'm tripping. Why I got to go in your room and make up your bed? I'm still tripping on that one. Why I got to go in your area and pick up paper in, in, in your area? If I'm washing dishes, why I got to wash the dishes every night? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? What, what, if, what if you had a part, I had a part, she had a part, he had a part, and we weren't tripping about titles, we weren't tripping about whose idea it was, but we see it's headed in a progressive direction, and we all come together, put our hands to the plow, don't look back, and give 100. Now, it's crazy because I'm looking at these people in Genesis chapter number 11 who's doing something contrary to the will of God, and they're getting ready, according to God himself, he comes down and said they're getting ready to exceed and excel in what they're doing. And they're against God's plan. But here we are as the people of God, as the children of God, the, the, the called out ones who have the favor of God upon our lives. And we could be more progressive if we would come together. So what's... Why we can't come together again? <laughs> Let me go to your house. Why you can't come together in your house again? Why you can't get on one accord with your spouse, with your children? What's the real issue that's going on? So I'm praying on this because I want to, man, I want to get to the root of it because I'm actually tired of it. It's, I, I, ain't, I ain't getting no younger, y'all. I'm getting a little older every single day. My knees starting to crack when I wake up in the morning. I had an old preacher. I had an old preacher told me, and he was prophesying. He didn't even know what he was prophesying. He said, when you turn four, he said, when you're 20, he says, when it's time to get up, you just jump out the bed and just run. He said, but when you turn 40, you're going to just turn and sit on the side of the bed for a minute. And he wasn't lying. He was prophesying. I got up this morning, and I woke up late, and I said, we ain't getting no younger. So if we really going to do something for God in this generation, we got to do it. Somebody said, we got to do it right now. So before, before we move forward, we, we need to just pause we need to huddle, and we need to figure out what is this thing that's actually stopping us as a church, that actually stops us as a family, that stops us as a community from moving forward with what it is that God has called us to do. Can I deal with that today, y'all? I want to highlight a story, and within this story, I see a concept 
that's destroying ministries, houses, and any type of organization. In the book of John, chapter number six, verse number seven, Jesus selects his 12 disciples, and he says something that I want to highlight concerning one of the 12 that he chose. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil? Now let's pause there for a second, because we know that he's talking about Judas Iscariot. But, but there is a misunderstanding of what he's saying at the time that he's saying. He's not saying that Judas himself is the devil, and at this particular time, Judas has not had the devil to enter on the inside of him. There was a time when Judas was casting out devils just like everybody else. We see it in the book of Matthew, chapter number 10, verse number 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Now watch this. Luke eleven eighteen. the Pharisees are arguing against Jesus and they're accusing him of casting out devils with Beelzebub, the Lord of devils. But Jesus said, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? In essence, he says, a devil can't cast out another devil. A demon can't cast out another demon. So if Judas is casting out demons, come on somebody, there is no possible way that he can be demon-possessed or oppressed and cast out something that he got. So when Jesus says, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil, he's not talking about the fact that Judas has a demon in him or that he is a devil. He's speaking about what's going to happen in John chapter number 13, verse number 2. When the Bible declares, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Jesus is prophesying that this day is coming. So, so let's, let's, let's put this timeline. Judas call, Jesus calls 12 disciples. He gives them power over demons. They're healing the sick. They're raising dead, walking on water. They're doing miraculous things. There's coming a point in Judas's life when the devil is going to enter into him. My question is, what was that point? What happened that caused somebody to walk so closely with Jesus? Now, we're talking about Jesus now. We ain't talking about Pastor McGee. We ain't talking about apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. We're talking about the epitome of a minister. We're talking about what is it that happened in Judas's life that caused him to walk with Jesus, perform all the miracles as the other 11 disciples, and then turn his heart cold towards the things of God. I'm getting ready to show you in the text. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 26, verses number 6, while Jesus was in uh, Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, Seven declares, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head, and he was reclining at the table. Eight declares, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. This word indignant simply means that they were offended. Everybody shout offense. They were offended. Watch this. They weren't even offended at the fact that she was using oil. They were offended at Jesus that he was allowing her to waste the oil like this. 
This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Now, I want to read this same story, just, just a couple of points in the book of John, chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, because he highlights something in John that he doesn't lift in Matthew. John 12 and 1 says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So, so watch this. How many of y'all ever seen a kid get upset at somebody else's birthday party because he ain't getting presents. Now you gotta, you gotta be careful because if that ain't dealt with properly, that same mentality will graduate with you into adulthood. You do know that spiritual maturity and tenure of salvation doesn't always grow parallel. Anybody ever seen an old fool? Look like you ought, to be, you ought to know better than that by now. That tells me that even natural maturity doesn't always parallel with number of years that you've been on this earth. So there are certain things on the inside of you that manifest, come on somebody, that if it's not properly dealt with, it will mess up your spirit. And you, you got to be careful when somebody else around you is getting blessed and you notice your spirit change. Somebody else get a new house, then your spirit change. Somebody get a new car, your spirit change. Somebody have a baby, your spirit change. Somebody get something new, and then your spirit get. You got to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to be careful. Because here's the thing. You might not be that kid that pouts outwardly, but on the inside. So already here's an opportunity for their spirits to be messed up because a party is not being thrown for Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. A party is not being thrown for the disciples. A party is being thrown for Jesus. Verse number four declares, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Now, Matthew highlights that there were some disciples who were indignant or offended John highlights it wasn't just the disciples in general. Judas in particular was offended that you would allow this woman to waste this much oil on your body. Hmm, let's go back to 26 and 10, Matthew 26 and 10. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. 12. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, watch what happens. Judas is offended because he sees Jesus allowing this woman to waste this oil. He publicly says something, and Jesus publicly rebukes him. 14 declares, then one of the 12, immediately after this, the one called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. One more scripture and we'll get to where we're going. Matthew 24:10. The Bible declares, and then shall many be what, y'all? Offended. 
and once you offend it and shall betray one another. And then after betraying one another, you're going to hate one another. The reason you hate because you've been betrayed. The reason you betray is because you've been offended. There's some of y'all have some hatred in your heart, and the reason you have hatred in your heart is because you've been betrayed. And the reason you chose to walk... Oh. So I was, I was going over my, my little notes, my little slides for the new members class, new members class, and two scriptures that I highlight, one in Jeremiah, one is 1 Corinthians. In Jeremiah, the Bible declares that he gives you pastors. He gives you pastors after his own heart. God does that. So for whatever reason you think that you like this church before you join, that was just the bait that God put there to attract you to some that he's given to you. 1 Corinthians says that he has set every member within the body. Now, the Apostle Paul, he talks about the universal church, but he's writing a letter to the local church body. So he's telling these local believers that you have been set in this particular house. So how is it God can give you a pastor, set you in the house, and then you walk away from what God gave you? You walk away from what he set you in. What is the thing that you have that emotionally suppresses, not emotionally, spiritually suppresses the voice of God on the inside of you saying, don't go, but you choose to go anyway? I'll tell you what it is. It's called the state of offense. It's the state of offense. Put the definition of offense on, on the screen. Offense, it's a real or perceived insult. I put real or perceived because there are times when some of y'all offended and it really is not an offense. You just send your fit. Turn me down just a hair. I'm getting some feedback. Sometimes an offense is real. Then sometimes it's just your perception. Sometimes based on assumptions. Well, I just thought you were just going, well, we never really talked about that. Put it back on the screen. It's real or perceived insult. A violation of what is judged to be right or, or natural. That's what an offense. This is what I want to give me just a little bit more volume. Y'all took too much volume. <laughs> I can't hear myself. This is what I need you to understand. It's possible to acknowledge an offense without being offended. I said it's a, and it, it is possible. It is possible to acknowledge the fact that what she did was offensive, offensive, but I myself refuse to be offended. So an offense is a real or perceived insult. Let's talk about the state of an offense. The state of offense is expressing bitterness or indignation in ha at having been treated unfairly, resentfully annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. So here it is, somebody did something that was an offense, and it drove me into a state of being offended, and now I have bitterness in my heart, I have some resentment in my heart, I have some hatred in my heart, and if I let it marinate in my soul in just a moment, I'm going to do some things that betray the tenets of this relationship. And once I betray the relationship, it's going to further drive hatred in my heart and possibly hatred in the heart of the one that I said I loved at one time. This is what you have to understand about 
being offended. It is a choice for you to receive it. Everybody shout, it is a choice. And I'm, I'm going to help you today with, with the choice because Ma Matthew 18, 7, put that on the screen, put it on the screen because the devil knows exactly what he's doing. Matthew 18, 7 declares, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. I'm telling you today, in this church, in your house, on your job, you are going to be offended. There are people that are going to say things, sometimes they're going to do stupid things. The question is, after the offense, is it going to drive you into that place of bitterness for So the question is, what do I do? <laughs> what 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 do I what do I do? What do I do? I, I need I need some help. I need I need uh ten ten volunteers. Can can I get ten volunteers? I just need ten volunteers. Lav, come on, right here. Whitney, come on. Aisha, come on. Let me get sit down. <laughs> Jess. <laughs> Yeah, this is good. This is good. Come on, my man. Greg raised his hand. Come on, my man. Yo, let's see. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Two more. My son. No, I want my son. Get out of here. No, come on, man. I'm playing. Come on. Nine. Nine. Come on. I don't want you, Charity. Just, just sit down. Stop my my man. Come on. Now, I, I just got a simple thing I'm going to ask y'all to do. I'm going to ask y'all to do this. Um, you, and I, I'm, I'm only actually looking for one, and I want to hide it amongst 10, okay? So don't nobody know it's you. All right, take, take one of those, pass it down, please, sir. Take one, pass it down. God is so good. Isn't God good? Thank you, dear. Take a pen and pass it down. This is what I need you to do real quickly. Um... Uh, yeah. Here is the phrase. Here is the phrase. God is so good. Somebody shout, Pastor, help me with this. I want to help somebody. Because some of you all are not getting the best out of your spiritual life because of this offense that's in your soul. You're not getting the best. I mean, you're, you're, it's, like, it's like your connection with God is not as strong your connection with other people is not as strong. I mean, let's be real. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. My, my wife, she could have offended me. She could have offended me, but I chose not to let her offend me. And I know she was in her feelings a little bit. Let me tell you the situation. <laughs> I'm messing my own self up right now. We just came from Jamaica. Bruh, Jamaica. Jamaica. And we're going to the Bahamas next week. So we, got, we have two married, like we have, and it's, these destination weddings are amazing. <laughs> I thank God for it. We went to, we went to Jamaica. We're going to Bahamas. We, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Moss Point. I'm loving it. <laughs> God is just moving in amazing ways. <laughs> He's just amazing. So watch it, watch it. So she, we went to Jamaica last week. We're going to the Bahamas this week. I know this. So I'm like, it is so much work to do. Although I'm enjoying the time away, it, life is still happening here. So it's like so much work to do. So I literally been getting up 
like six every morning at the house. I don't come back until like three, four o'clock. Then it's get ready for prayer. Then we're out for prayer. Then whatever. And so it, she was okay Monday. Her spirit was right Monday. <laughs> Her spirit was okay Tuesday. <laughs> Wednesday, and y'all know sisters, no, brothers, y'all know this feeling. Hey, what's wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> you know she lying. Thursday, she just kind of giving me that cold treatment. I'm like, I'm like, what's? So I'm on the phone with my, my brother, and I'm like, man, I don't know what's wrong with my wife. This girl, we just came from Jamaica. What's wrong with her? And then it hit me. I ain't spent no time with her all week long. But my reason is, we just left Jamaica. <laughs> and we finna go to the Bahamas. <laughs> so can I, like, get some work done? I don't even know why I told that story, but you just, this message is for you. <laughs> you said I could have offended you. And so while she, thank you, so while she was acting, I could have been offended, but I chose not to, I chose not to be offended. So this is what I need you all to do. Here is a statement. The statement is, I hate you. This whole, no, don't write it down. <laughs> Y'all going to give me something, but um, just hear the statement. I, I hate you. I, I need you to hear that statement. Now, what I want you to write down is, and again, you don't have to participate if you don't want to. I don't want you to put your name on it. If you don't put, if, matter of fact, if you don't want to participate, just doodle, just for a second and give me the card. What I want you to do is I want you to write down the worst statement that you have, one, two, or three, either have said to somebody in that regard, I hate you, number two, has been said to you, number three, you have heard said to somebody in that vein, I hate you just 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 look I will write it whatever if you cuss cuss I mean I just want you to write whatever it is. I'm not gonna know it's you unless I know your handwriting <laughs> no something similar as to being said I hate you okay Something that's harsh. Don't use my phrase. Y'all help her out. Give her a pen. You, you good? You good? Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Sir. Have a seat. I'm going to keep it down and I'm going to shuffle it up so I don't know it's... Nah. You done? Okay. Thank you. I'm going to shuffle. Evan King. <laughs> I mean, no, just give them to me. Ain't, ain't got a fold nut. Ain't got a fold nut. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, y'all didn't put no names on this at all. Nothing like that, right? <laughs> that's my son, y'all. I love my son. Yeah. Watch, Greg is the only one that's going to lie. Because he know I know that handwriting. Mm. All right. So if I can't read it, I'll just, I'll just. Okay. All right. You make me sick. You make me sick. Let me express it. Sick of you. This mess, 
okay, all right, all right. Ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. Ooh, I wish I knew. I wish I could ask a question on this one. This person wrote, it's you. <laughs> it's you. It's <laughs> all need to be said. It's good. Ooh. Sometimes I think you my Judas. Jesus. Y'all ten come to the altar. I just want to pray for y'all. <laughs> Somebody said, say it again. Sometimes I think you're my Judas. Okay. All right. mm. just, just hear this one. I don't care about you. Think, think of that from a spouse perspective. Think of that from a child perspective. Think of, I was getting, God help me stay out of trouble. I don't care about you. Meeting you was the worst mistake of my life. She clapped <laughs> like somebody felt it. I can feel that. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> okay, I might not be able to say that one. Okay, I'll say this. Being called a ninja with racial hatred. Okay. Right. Tay just got it. Oh, yeah, ninja. <laughs> I can't stand you. You will never reach your dreams. <laughs> this person started writing something, they scribbled it, and they just said, F you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen, listen, listen to me, listen to me. All right, I'm going to read a couple again. F you, I can't stand you. You'll never reach your dreams. Um, I don't want to be, be your friend. Meeting you was the worst mistake of my life. I don't care about you. Now, this is what I need you to do. Listen, listen. Hear the words, but can you feel the emotions behind the words? Got it? You hear the words, but the reason why some of y'all are like, ooh, why? Because you didn't just hear what I said. But it, there was an emotional expression behind now, here, here's the question. Here's the question. Um, uh, Ray, stand up. You can handle this. Come here, sir. Come here. Stand here. All right. Stand right here. You can handle this. 
F you. You'll never reach your dreams. I can't stand you. Ninja. <laughs> no, I don't want to be your friend. Meeting you was the worst mistake of my life. You want to know who it is? It's you. You make me sick. Sometimes I think you the Judas in my life. By the way, I don't even care about you. Now watch this. After saying that to him, do you think it'll be a little difficult to build a relationship with him? Okay. Here is God's problem with his people. You don't hate your sin that way. No, 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 no. Let me, let me clarify it. You do hate the consequences of your sin that way. But you don't hate sin itself that way. So you don't even realize that the state of offense that attracts unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, jealousy, envy, it actually has an open invitation because you've never... Thank you, sir. See, see, see as, as, as Christians, as Christians, some of us are, have taught concerning the love of God. You have taught. You have taught. Because it's impossible to love something without hating something else. <laughs> so the same God that loves the sinner, he does hate. And when I say hate, hate the sin. We've just been taught the love of God, but we've never really embraced his hatred towards the things that contradict his plan for his people. That's why it's so easy for you to get offended and you just sit there and you just let it marinate in your soul and you become bitter. And you start treating people any kind of way, talking to them any kind of way because you hadn't learned to hate it. Okay? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Uh, let's go to the book of Galatians. I'm almost done. Book of Galatians. Is that what I want? Yep. Chapter number five. Chapter number five. Verse number 16. Hmm. You got it? Did I send you all that? Galatians 5.16. Let's go. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, watch this, these, these fleshly desires, feelings, expressions. Look what the Scripture declares. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Then he's going to highlight the acts of the flesh. He says it's obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So, so, so watch this, watch this. If, if this is, chat, come here, sir, quickly. If this is symbolic to the, the, the anointing, the spirit, if, if we want to say that, okay, we'll just say this is the spirit of God. If I, can, can, I, can I just use that? If this is the Spirit of God, come here, sir, put your hand on the top. What joins us together is our unity in the Spirit. Does that make sense? 
So just hold on to that. Watch this. But the scripture in Galatians just taught me that the manifestations of the flesh fight against the strength and the power of the spirit. So if the flesh is high in my life, then my spiritual connection is low. And if my spiritual connection is low, by default, there is now distance between the, one, the, between the one who I'm supposed to be connected with by the Spirit. So you can see this in your church, but not only can you see it in your church, you see it in your house. If I got some crazy going on in my life, and what really binds my wife and us together is the commitment that we made before God. Not just people, but God. So we're supposed to be connected together by the Spirit. But when I got flesh in my life, and it's easy for me to blame her as to what she ain't doing and what she needs to do, but the reality is I'm disconnected. question is what you do with that disconnect? What you, what you going to do with that? What you going to do with it? You, oh, I know what you're going to do. You're just going you're just gonna to try better. Let me just try harder. You're trying harder, but you've never really responded to the thing that's dragging you away from show you something else. Thank you, sir. I'm almost done. First John chapter number two, verse number 15. The writer declares, do not love the world. Everybody shout, don't love it. Shout again, don't love it. Okay, look at me. If you're not supposed to love something, what should you do? Okay. Let's define what the world is. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in, in them. For everything in the world, for everything in the world, this, this is it. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Comes not from the Father, but from the world. So all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So I did something by experiment. I did something by experiment. I did something by experiment. God, how you want to do this? Okay. Did somebody experiment? I confess my love to God. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I confess my love to God. I did. God, I love you. Anybody ever say that? God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I noticed I really hadn't confessed it in my hatred towards lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I was walking the other day. And, and there was a thought that came to mind, and immediately I read, recognized that was a prideful thought. That was a prideful thought. I said, God, I love you, and then I paused, and I said, flesh, I hate you. Pride, I, I hate you. Because I know if I, if I stew there in just a moment, there's going to be some type of attempt of manifestation out of that Environment, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I just start saying, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Let me go back to an, go to another example. I'll come back to that one. My wife brought a cheesecake home a couple of weeks ago. Cheesecake. Now, y'all know cheesecake is it's my kryptonite. I just wanted, I, I just started doing this a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you what's been happening. I said, I just want to try this. 
I just want to try this. I just want to try it. God, if it work, it work. I looked at the, che- I walked past the cheesecake, and I said, I hate you. I just, just see, I hate you. And I just got rolling. Every time I passed the cheesecake, she just got it all laid out. Every time I passed it, I said, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. What's crazy? Every time I pass it now, there is like no desire in me to even want to bite. Because now I've associated hatred towards something that I know that don't do my body no good. Say it plainly. Some of y'all are trying to stop doing stuff that you still love. Make this plain, Pastor. The power of life and death lies where, y'all? In the tongue. So whatever you speak, you give life to it. So when I told the cheesecake, and I looked at the cheesecake, and I said, I hate you, I gave life to ill feelings towards that. And because my feelings are ill towards it, it was easy for me to walk away from it. Now, come on, let's talk about it. Some of y'all been doing it <laughs> to hurt you and hurt relationships. You've been telling folk that you love, you hate when they make you mad. And then in a couple of weeks, you've been trying to make up. And you do make up sort of, kind of, but you know in your heart, the feelings that you used to have for him or her is not there anymore. Not to that same degree. Why? Because you gave life to something that's going to have to be canceled in the spirit realm. Now, y'all been doing it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Some of y'all been doing that. You've been doing that. Why you won't do that for your sins? No, for real. Like, for your sins, for real. Again, not the consequences of your sins. Not when you get caught and then this happens and you're like, man, I hate how this make me feel. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the sin itself, the state itself. So when I start looking at what's going on in the scripture, when the manifestation of the flesh is high, the spiritual strength and connectivity is low. I need to reverse this because I got a God. Real, real talk. I get like too many one, 911 calls. Is it, nine, what is it? 911 calls to not be in a place where I'm constantly connected. Do you understand what I'm saying? I get too many 911 calls not to be, and I got a call just, just the other day, just a tragic thing happened, and I needed to be, I had to make the call, talk to the individual, pray for the individual, and I can't afford to be spiritually out of pocket. Watch this, because the devil don't respect past performances. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last year. Where are you now? I don't care how many of me, how many of me you cast out. Can you cast me out now? So let me take this off my shoulders and let's put it on you. You don't know when the next time you're going to need real spiritual power. And the church is spiritually destitute, not because the spiritual power is not available. We are entertaining the very thing that keeps us away from true spiritual strength, and that's flesh. 
mainly in our attitudes, your anger, your bitterness, your jealousies, your envies, these offenses that you keep entertaining. It's time for you to speak hate to it. I've been walking, and I had, <laughs> I've been doing it under my breath, even while we were on vacation. Uh, we was, I was just praying, and I was just meditating, and, I was, and, and I'd be in the bathroom, and I'd, I'd just say something like, I hate you, I hate you. And my wife just walked in the bathroom. She didn't hear me, but I just, <laughs> I didn't want her to think I'm talking about her. But I was just saying, I was thinking about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. What's been happening for the past week? Oh, my gosh. I've been on a spirit, such a spiritual high for the past couple of weeks. It's been absolutely amazing how close I'm feeling to God. Because watch this. For the first time in a long time, I'm not just, watch this, trying to do right. But I'm, in, I'm being intentional to hate what's wrong. God says, I want you to love me. But I really do want you to hate your sin. And to birth hate for sin. The same God that loves you hates sins. You're created in his image and his likeness. He wants you to love his creation, but he wants you to hate things that destroys you, destroys his creation, that destroys this world. And that is sin itself. That is selfishness itself. That's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everybody in here, everybody in here just shout, I hate you. Amen. Now, that was so difficult for y'all. It was real. You know why? Because you've been taught to love. And that's good. But not only should you be taught to love, there are certain things that you've got to learn to hate. 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 And it's not until you learn to hate it will you have both the emotional and spiritual fortitude to actually resist it and stand against it. Sin, I hate you. Flesh, I hate you. Pride, I hate you. Lust of the eyes, I hate you. Everybody shout it again, I hate you. <laughs> now this is what I want you to do. Real soft, Tim. This is what I want you to do. Anybody ever been involved, don't raise your hand, but just think about it. Anybody ever been involved in something? that like took you down the wrong path for real. I mean, it just took you crazy, just, just took you for a crazy ride. And at the end of the ride, you ended up in a real, just real tough place. Let's, let's start the start, starting point here. Here's the ride. And I end up in a, a real bad place. God says, I don't want you to just hate the place that you ended up in. I want you to learn to hate the thing that took you to that place. What was it? Was it the lust of your eyes? Was it the lust of your flesh? Was it the pride of life? The pride of life has got me in so much trouble because I didn't want to admit when I was wrong. It's got me in so much trouble. When I should have been listening to folks, I chose not to listen to it, listen to people. I had to learn to hate it. I was heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, now in Jesus' name, God, this is a challenging word for some people. It's challenging. 
because theologically the framework hadn't really been taught concerning the hate of God. But the same God that loves us really does hate sin. And we've been taught to love people and we've been taught to love you, God. But we've only been taught to resist sin. Not to hate it. But today there's somebody that's making up in their mind. Sin, I see what you're doing to my marriage. I see what you're doing to relationships. You're making me transgress, turn away from things that I'm supposed to be committed to. I choose to hate you now. In every capacity, I choose to hate sin now. I choose to hate the lust of my flesh. Come on, I want to give you just a minute to do it, if, you, if you're okay doing it. Some of y'all are wrestling and you're struggling. I don't know, Pastor. Okay, take the message and listen to it again later. But if you're already there, I want you to go there. What's the sin that keeps taking you into craziness? What's the sin? What's the fleshly thing? What's the attitude that keeps wrecking relationships? That anger, what bitterness, what jealousy, what envy, what is it? I want you to call it out and tell it, I hate you. Put the emotion to it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Lion spirit got me in a place where folk can't trust me because every time I get in a situation, I, I fabricate. It's easy for me to fabricate some story. Lying, I hate you. Lust, can't even go into a grocery store, can't go into a mall without being trapped up with everything that's looking around you. Make the confession, lust of the eyes, I hate you. Hard for me to be committed to my spouse because of this. The devil is absolutely a lie. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you, not just what you're doing to me, I hate who you are and I will no longer allow you to have victory to pull me away from my brothers and sisters I will no longer allow you to have victory to disrupt and hinder the flow of the spirit of God in my life today is your last day this is your notice here it is lust of the flesh lust of the eyes I don't care about you Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, F you. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. You will never reach your dreams in my life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I can't stand you. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I don't want to be your friend no more. You're not invited to my party no more. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Meeting you was the worst thing that ever happened in my life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. You make me sick. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The problem ain't with me, it's with you. You ain't invited no more. You ain't invited no more. You ain't invited. So if we hate sin, if we hate lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, how about we love God? 
all over this building, lift your hands. Matter of fact, everybody stand on your feet. Lift those hands and begin to confess your love to God. Come on, come on, just love on him right now. Love on him, love on him, love on him, love on him. Come on, express your tenderness to God now. Come on, express it to him now. Let him know how much, you, how much he means to you. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we bless you in this place. We, we adore you in this place, Lord God. God, as we turn away from the things, God, that, that, that place a gulf between you and I, God, we make a decision, Lord God, to give you full control, God, full capacity of our being. God, whatever you want to do in us, God, God, we lay down ourselves to you, Father, because we love you, God. We honor you. We bless you. We bless you, God. We bless you. We bless you, God. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold it for a moment. God, God put this in my spirit just a couple of days ago. I want to do something. Now, just a minute. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, I need you at the altar right now. All business owners, all entrepreneurs at the altar now. Thank you, Jesus. You thinking about starting the business, you can come on down here as well. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Mm -hmm. I've been in prayer for some time now, just looking at the world, the economy, all that's going on. And I know globally there are some things that are ha happening in the economy and it's literally going to affect the world in the upcoming months and years. It's going to affect the entire world in the upcoming months and years. I've been hearing it in the spirit realm circulating and I'm seeing it manifest in different areas. So I asked God, I said, God, I don't want to starve. Listen, listen to me. I don't want to starve. Scripture declares, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. I shouldn't have to beg. I should not have to beg. I should not have to walk around on handouts. As a church, I shouldn't have to appeal to the government just to keep our doors open. I shouldn't have to do that. So God spoke to me two days ago, Sister Jamie, and God said, can I trust you to be a Joseph? That's what God spoke to me. Can I trust you to be a Joseph? And it's amazing. I got a prophetic word last night. The man of God prophesied. And he said, not knowing what I prayed or what God spoke to me, and the man of God said that he was getting ready to send resources to my wife and I because we know how to steward it. Un understand, understand the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man in the midst of a famine. Not only did he have enough 
to bless his house and his kingdom all within his sphere of influence, he actually made more money in a famine because he was the only one with the grain. So he traded their possessions for food. So God says, can I trust you to be a Joseph? What's the mentality of a Joseph? If I tell you what to do with the resources, will you be willing to do it? Now, for some of y'all, it's easy to shake your head now, but I know what it's like to get a big check in my hand and God says, you can't use it on yourself at all. I know what it's like for God to say, give the entire thing away. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the good thing. If you are the resource center and God sends resources and he says, no, this is not for you, but you give this away, because you're the resource center, more resources are coming to your center. So I ain't tripping about what I don't get to personally use. I'm the resource center, and God's going to continue. Joseph was the resource center. And as that word was prophetically spoken over my life, I'm decreeing it. I'm, I'm about to pray, decree it, and declare it over your life. But this is what I want to challenge you with now. Thank you, Jesus. There's some people that have some misconceptions concerning their own discipline. They're undisciplined with finances now. But for some reason, they think once they get money, discipline is just going to automatically appear. There are some people that's being unfaithful in their giving right now. They should be giving more than what they're giving. God has already dealt with them. But they keep saying, once this money comes, then I'll, then I'll do it. No, I'm telling you, I don't care what level you at. I don't care what level you at. If you live here, and your expenses are here. When your money go here, I prophesy your expenses going to go here because it's not about the money. It's about the mentality of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. Don't just change just because you got more money or more opportunity. So there's a decision that some of you, I'm telling you, famine is coming. It's actually already here, but there should be a difference between Goshen and Egypt. When Egypt is in darkness, the people of God don't have to be. Let me tell you, let me just speak again prophetically what, what God wants to do. Hmm. Because of the decisions of men, there's a darkness that's coming upon the earth. But God is going to make sure that those that are faithful to him are the only ones with the light. So if you want to see evangelism in this hour like you've never seen it before, it's going to be the ones that have the light in the midst of darkness. I don't know about you, but I plan to be the light. I plan to be the light, not only spiritually with the words and with the anointing that's upon my life. I plan to be the light with the resources that's coming. I'm telling you very soon, you're not going to be able to look to the government to bail you out this time. You won't be able to look to a nonprofit organization. It's going to be the people, and I'm, I'm careful. I'm careful in even saying this. I'm careful in even saying this. I would like to think it's the church. It is, it is a church, but God says it's my people that's faithful to me. So it's not just Empowerment Ministries Christian Center. It's the faithful in Empowerment Ministries Christian Center. So the ones that are still standing in the back, here's my word to you. I'm calling the entrepreneurs. Thank you, Jesus. 
And I don't mean it to please don't be offended in this statement. If, if you are employed, if you are employed by somebody, there is a cap upon your income potential based on your tenure and upon your education. Most of the times there is a cap. Thank you, Jesus. So my encouragement to you in this season, I ain't telling you to leave your job. But there is some avenues and there are some doors that God even wants to open up to you to raise the cap off your... Do you understand? There are many of you all, you really like your job, you love your job, you call to your job, but at the end of the day, your job is really about your assignment. There are some other means that God is going to blow finances in your way that you'll be able to do more with that door than you might be able to do with your own job. Are y'all with me? I'm calling the entrepreneurs and the business owners because, watch this, your income potential is going to be determined by wisdom and skill. Wisdom and skill. God wants to give you, what, what are you talking about, wisdom? With wisdom is insight. You see stuff, you see opportunities that other folk don't see. One, one of my distant mentors, he tells this story about these two guys that go to this foreign language, this, this foreign country where everybody is walking around with no shoes. And both of the guys come back home and one of the guys say, man, it's sad over there how poor they are. Nobody has shoes. The other guy comes home and he says, I'm excited. I'm getting ready to start a shoe business and go over there and sell shoes. So wisdom is insight where you begin to see opportunities that other people can't see. Skill is your, your ability, watch this, to navigate, to, to negotiate, to, to hone the skills on your craft. Because watch this, excellence is the, everybody shout excellence is the standard. God don't want sloppy work, watch this, and he don't want you giving his people sloppy work. So if your stuff ain't excellent, it's time to raise it to the next level. So I'm praying for your wisdom, and I'm praying for your skill. Joseph was a man of wisdom. He was a man of wisdom. He was a man of insight. He saw opportunities. You don't see in the scripture where he spent a whole bunch of time complaining about what was going wrong. My man was making it right no matter. He was making it happen no matter where he was. If he was in, 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 in Potiphar's house, if he, was, if he was in jail, no matter where he was, he was always making it happen. He was sharpening anointing. He was sharpening wisdom. He was sharpening skill. So lift both of those hands. Lift both of those hands. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name. God, these are wealth builders, God, that you're bringing to the altar. Thank you, Jesus. These are individuals, God, that you're lifting the cap off of their income potential, Lord God. And you're putting it upon their shoulders. If you increase wisdom, how do you get wisdom? You, you connect to the God of all wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to give them wisdom, God, and you're going to challenge them to sharpen their, their skills. For some, sharpen their professionalism. For some, sharpen their language. For some, sharpen their image, Lord God, on, on social media. For some, God, it's just sharpening how they communicate with people. For some, there's a system, new systems and new structures. For some, God, there's, there's marketing and there's, there's advertising techniques, God, that they're going to develop because you're raising them up in this hour. As darkness is covering the earth, Lord God, as economic failure is spanning across the globe, God, you're raising up Joseph, both men and women, in this hour. Lord God, that you're going to cause to be resource centers. So when the world is lacking, when the world is in need, 
They don't just come to a nonprofit organization. They don't just come to the per a person, but God, they come to representatives of God. And even through this, God, you are increasing our influence. There are certain arguments we don't have to have anymore with atheists. There are certain arguments we're not going to even have to have with agnostic anymore. Why we don't have to have those, those arguments anymore? Because you will see in this hour who God favors. And God favors his people every single time. You will see who God is protecting. You will see. And the same God who did it for me, if you will bow your knees, sir, he will do it for, for you. So, Father, now in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would increase their capacity to learn. God, that you would, that you would even allow them, God, to, to obtain a humble spirit, God, to be able to receive even correction, God, even constructive criticism. Don't allow them, God, to be offended by negative comments, but allow them to see what can I learn out of this comment to better myself. Increase their wisdom. Increase their capacity. Sharpen their skills. My God today, sharpen their skills, sharpen their know-how, and we give your name the praise, we give you the honor, we give you the glory, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it, come on and put those hands together. Give our God a hand clap of praise. Somebody shout, I love you, Jesus. Somebody shout, I love you, Lord. Somebody shout, God is doing it right now. He's doing it right now in Jesus' name. You can return to your seat. Hallelujah, Jesus.